Hello, and welcome to Cherry Beckert's podcast for real estate and construction, where we discuss developing trends and market dynamics, as well as tax and accounting tips that could impact your business. Today, we are discussing the fourth part of our Opportunity Zone Fund series and diving into the topic uh, related to meeting the tests for operating a qualified Opportunity Zone business. My name is Russ Nash, and I am a senior manager in our tax service line in the Nashville office. And for the podcast today, I'll be uh, taking the role of a client who is, has some questions about how they can, uh, how their new business can meet the Opportunity Zone tests. And I'm Mike Elliott, and I'm a tax director in our Tampa office. And I'm going to be playing the role of tax advisor who's answering Russ's questions. Mike, thanks for taking time to meet me today. I'm responsible for managing a business that one or more qualified opportunity funds are planning to invest in. I know that 90% of the qualified opportunity funds assets need to be in qualified opportunities on property and that an investment in a subsidiary partnership or corporation can qualify for purposes of that 90% test. I've also heard that in order for the investment to be considered QOZ property, our business must be a QOZ business at the time that the fund invests in it and at substantially all times thereafter. What exactly does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm glad that we have the opportunity to discuss this, Russ. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and what that means is that at the time that the QAF acquires its interest in the business and for at least 90% of its holding period after that, it has to meet five basic tests, which are going to be relevant on the date of acquisition, as well as uh, on each of the QAF's uh, biannual testing dates, which are generally going to be June 30th and December 31st of each year. Okay, good to know um, that there's some flexibility there. Uh, you mentioned five tests. What are those tests that we need to be aware of? Okay, well, there are five, as you mentioned. Um, so I'll go through each of them individually. I'll, just, I'll name them for you now. Uh, we, can, we can, of course, delve into them, and I suspect we will. But um, first, at least 70% of the business's owned or leased tangible property has to be what they call QOZ business property. Uh, at least 50% of the total gross income must be derived from the active conduct of a trader business in a QOZ. Uh, at least 40% of the businesses in tangible property must be used in the active conduct of, of the trader business. Uh, fourthly, less than 5% of, of the average total adjusted basis of property can be a non-qualified financial property. And finally, uh, the, the fifth test is that no portion of the QAF's investment can be used in a SIN business. Wow, okay. So uh, that's pretty detailed. Um, let's kind of go through them one at a time so I can make sure I have a good handle on it uh, to serve my investors. So let's start with the first one. What does it take for tangible property uh, used in my business to be qualified opportunity zone business property? Okay, well, the, the tangible property must see, it must meet either the original use requirement or it must be substantially improved within a 30-month period. And it has to be placed in service in a QOZ and used in its trader business. So for original use, what that means is that it must have been acquired by purchase from an unrelated party. And it has to be placed in service in a QOZ for the first time by the business. So even if you're an existing business that's operating outside the QOZ, you'd meet that original use requirement simply by moving that property into the QOZ. Okay. 
But what if it's not movable, um, but it's already in the zone and, and we acquire it, like for instance, real property? Okay, well, so there's there's two types of property. I mean, there, there's, there's owned property and leased property. Now, if it's leased property, and if you're just leasing it from an unrelated party, uh, the business is deemed to place it in service and acquire it in the zone at the time that the lease is signed. If it's owned property, but let's just say it's not new construction, it's just an existing building that you buy, uh, then the business has to at least double its adjusted basis by improving it within a 30-month period. So you have 30 months, any 30-month period, by the way. It doesn't, it doesn't have to start right away, but ultimately that all has to happen. That basis has to be doubled within 30 months. And if so, then it's deemed to, to, be, um, to meet the requirement and be good property for purposes of the 70% test at all times. Okay, so that shouldn't be a problem. We're just wanting to lease some space um, and, and buy new uh, equipment and fixtures. So that shouldn't be a big deal. Um, what about the requirement that 50% of gross income must be derived from, from the active trader business in the QOZ? How, how is that even measured? Okay, well, there's, so there's three different criteria that you can look at for purposes of determining, you know, wh what are the sources of your gross income? Because uh, um, you, you're going to want to have that coming from what, what's, what's considered QOZ sources. So one of the things you can look at is services performed in the QOZ based on hours. Um, another thing you can look at is, uh, is services performed in the QOZ based on the amounts paid for those services. Uh, and then the third way you, you can look at is you can look at the uh, QOZ business property and the management and operational functions. And if those are each necessary for the generation of at least 50% of the gross income of the trader business, then basically 50% of your gross revenue is, is deemed to be from QOZ sources, and it's going to be good for purposes of the 50% the test. And if you can't meet any of those three specific tests, then uh, there's a fourth way you can get there, which is just based on facts and circumstances. Okay, so help me understand a little further. Um, so I just only have to meet one of these tests, correct? Correct. Okay, and then how do you determine um, what what is how many how you meet the test based on your hours okay so that's a fraction okay so the numerator is going to be the the number of hours of service performed during the year by employees partners and independent contractors in the qoz so you're only going to look at the the service hours performed in the qualified opportunity zone and that's it that's going to be your numerator uh the denominator is going to be the total number of hours of service performed during the year by employees partners and independent contractors regardless of where they perform the services so as long as 50 percent of your total hours are, are performed in the zone then 50 percent of your revenues and your gross income are going to be considered qoz income um hopefully that answers your question yeah, yeah, it does. And so for that second test about the amounts paid for services, does it work in a similar fashion? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's also a fraction, but but this time the numerator is going to be the total amount paid for the services before, performed during the year by by the QOZ, or, or sorry, before, performed during the year in the QOZ by employees, partners, and independent contractors. And the denominator is going to be the total amount paid for services performed everywhere during the year. Uh, and so you're going to look at salaries and, and, and any amounts paid to independent contractors. That's that's all going to be factored in. And as long as uh, at least 50% is in the zone, uh, the, the revenue is going to be deemed to be earned in the zone as well. Okay, got it, got it. 
So you mentioned there was a, a test about 40% of my intangible property being used in the active conduct of, of my business. What, is, what, what does that mean? Okay, so first, the use of the property or the intangible property has to be normal, um, usual, or customary in the conduct of the trader business. And secondly, it has to be used in the performance of the activity of the trader business that contributes to the generation of gross income from the business. So, for example, uh, let's just say you had a patent, uh, patent to manufacture something, and you're using that patent in order to be able to manufacture uh, a, a particular product inside the zone. You're using the intangible in your business. So, if you had a customer list and you're just using it to uh, to call on customers and generate revenue inside the zone, that's going to be considered used in the trader business as well. Oh, okay, okay, I understand that. Um, what about the five percent? test on our non-qualified financial property. 5% doesn't leave much margin for error. What is non-qualified financial property? All right, so just speaking very generally here, that's going to be cash, uh, debt, stock, uh, partnership interests, uh, options, uh, any kind of future or forward contracts, uh, warrants, notional principal contracts, annuities, or any other type of property like that is no good. Uh, but there's an exception for reasonable working capital that's held in cash, cash equivalents, or debt instruments if they have a term of 18 months or less. Okay, so reasonable working capital. Is, is there some kind of assurance that what I deem to be reasonable working capital will be uh, respected that way by the IRS? Yes, and that's another great question. So the IRS is provided with what they call a safe harbor. And that just means that if the working capital falls within the definition of that safe harbor, it's going to be deemed to be reasonable. So uh, if that's the case, then it's going to be excluded from what they call non-qualified financial property. So in order to be within the safe harbor, there's really three things that three requirements you have to meet. Now, first, the amount has to be designated in writing at the time it's received by the by the QOZ business. It has to be designated uh, to be for the development of the trader business in the QOZ or for the acquisition, construction, or improvement of tangible property in the QOZ. Um, also, there has to be a written schedule that's consistent with the ordinary startup of a trader business uh, for the expenditure of those working capital assets, and it has to be within a 31-month period uh, from the receipt. So um, finally, the, the working capital assets have to be used in a manner that's substantially consistent with the written designation and the written schedule. So let's just say you're developing a new building and you, you know, you, uh, you're planning on constructing it, you take the money in, you're going to use that, that, that equity that, that's been placed in, into, the, uh, into the bank for the time being, you're going to use that to, uh, to build the, the property. You have to spend that money within 31 months and you have to do it consistently or, or substantially consistent with your schedule. Okay, so we've got 31 months, which which sounds like a long time, but can often uh, run by fairly fast. What if we run into delays as a result of, of the government uh, dragging things out? How does that factor into that 31 month period? Okay, well, the good news is that if the government delays it, it doesn't cause a failure of the test. So let's just say that, uh, you know, in my construction example, uh, you just, you hit a wall where you couldn't, you, you had the delay moving forward because you were waiting on a permit or on an inspection or something like that. Um, anything that, that's caused by a governmental delay that's not your fault is not going to count against you for the 31 months. I think you would just ignore any period of time in which you were delayed from that 31 month period. Okay. 
Uh, and lastly, you mentioned sin businesses. I don't think we're doing anything that could be considered a sin business, but what does that definition meet? Okay, so uh, it's interesting because there's, there's a specific list of items that they consider as sin businesses. They're not necessarily what you might expect would, would be on that list, but I'll, I'll mention them both for you. Uh, there's a, so, so basically golf courses, uh, country clubs, massage parlors, hot tub facilities, suntan facilities, racetracks, and other facilities used for gambling are all considered sin businesses. Okay, so I'm gonna have to go back and redo our plans about having that backroom casino that we were we were including. <laughs> uh, I'm just that kidding. Would that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad, but uh, you know, anything else not on the list would be fine. Okay, so here's the other concern I have is you mentioned that at the beginning that at the time of acquisition by the fund, uh, we have to meet these five tests. However, we're a brand new business that's in startup mode and we don't have any assets or revenues yet, but, but how do we, how does that factor into getting things up and running and meeting these five tests? Okay, so that's actually fine. So if it's a brand new business, just keep in mind that it has to be owned by a legal entity that's set up as a corporation or a partnership. So presumably that entity has just been created and it's gonna have organization documents. What's important is that what's written into the organization documents is that uh, that the entity is being formed for the purpose of being a qualified opportunity zone business. So you're, you're stating your intent ahead of time. And as long as you actually meet those five tests on a go forward basis on those biannual testing dates, you're going to be fine. You're going to be considered to have met the test from the very beginning. And um, even even still, there's some other precautions that are built into these tests that um, even if it looks like you're not qualifying, like I mentioned a couple of them before, there's the the, the reasonable working capital safe harbor. You know that that's one way that you know that that can can somewhat protect you if you have cash on hand, uh, or if you have property that you're in the process of improving it, you get to count that as good property. So you do have some uh, some wiggle room there. And even if you do mess up, you also have six months uh, of a grace period to fix it. Well, thank you, Mike. That, that's very informative. I really appreciate your time today, uh, helping me sort through um, this really great opportunity that we have, but that also seems to have a lot of very specific rules associated with it. And thank you for joining us uh, today on the fourth installment of our uh, Cherry Beckert uh, series on uh, Opportunity Zone funds about meeting uh, the tests for qualified Opportunity Zone businesses. We hope that you will uh, join us uh, for our next installment in our fund series where we'll talk about optimizing alternative capital sources. Thanks. Have a great day.